Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode number 77 for Monday, August 15th, 2016. <music> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast for by and about working musicians. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. You're in Los Gatos, California. It's Paul Kent. I forgot where I was there for a second. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. <laughs> How goes it with you, Mr. Kent? Good, man. We had a busy week last week. We had three pretty intense gigs, all very fun. And then this week we got four. Holy cow. And four big, and actually three of them are three-hour gigs, which are which are long shows for us. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then I leave on a, I do I do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then I run that concert series on Sunday. Then I catch a red eye Sunday night to New York to see my daughter and to see Springsteen on Tuesday. You know the whole Springsteen thing, right? Wait a minute. Who is this guy again? Yeah, I think I mentioned him once or twice. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so going to see Springsteen next Tuesday in, in New Jersey, fly back on Wednesday, and then acoustic gig Thursday night. And the rest of this month, really until Labor Day weekend, is probably the most... Physically demanding, number of gigs, a little bit of travel thrown in, lots of stuff going on. be interesting to see if the voice holds out, you know, with the amount of talking that I have to do, yeah. and if the body holds out. Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the key, the, the voice and the rest of the body. Yeah. My knees have been the problem this year. I'm, I'm, right? I don't know what I don't know what's changing. You know, I got some new boots that I've been wearing. I don't know if that's what it is, but more than more than anything else, my knees are killing me at the end of gigs. Huh. Do you have your old boots that you could try for a gig and see if yeah. it makes a difference? Yeah, I'll swap some things in. I don't think that that's it. I think it's sure. actually just the knees are, the, the, the wear old. and tear is, is, is adding up. Do you take glucosamine? No, what's that? Oh, it's a, it's like, um, it's like joint oil for your, for your knees. I, I mean, for all your joints, but um, it can help for, uh, for exactly that. It's, it's like just, a, it's a pill, a supplement kind of thing. Yeah. A, a whole foods type of thing. Yep. Yeah. Send me send or post it. So I will, I will, uh, I will, I will send you a link or I will take you to get some, when yeah. I'm there. but you could probably use it before that. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll get some today. Hey, I got a question for you. How is the prep going for the big, uh, East coast, West coast reunion here? Dave Hamilton's triumphant return to the house rockers. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, it's good. I, you know, I've been, so there's actually, there's a ton to talk about and I have a bunch of questions for you too. So I figure we might as well do those here in uh in the show but in a general sense the prep has been going um well uh it, you know it's interesting i take the songs i listen to them for a while i mess around with them a little bit and then this past weekend i started like really like playing along with them in in earnest um it, just to you know start to get that and it's been um it but for the most part it's been fantastic there's there's one song i'm not going to tell you which one until after we play it um that, <laughs> that totally <laughs> totally like killed me and it's a song that i i thought i if you had asked me hey have you played this song before i would have said oh yeah, yeah no problem and um it, it turns out i've never played this song before not with another band nor have i played it like just on my own you know grooving along and, and playing with records which is the thing we drummers do all the time um and I would have sworn that I had, but, but if, but there's no way that I have, because there's a couple of things that, 
we're like, oh, my hands don't know how to do this. Like, I, I don't have that fill automatically in me somehow. It's a weird thing because it's a song I really, really know. And I could sing you the entire drum part. But in terms of like getting my hands to do just a couple of the things, um, it was like, oh, I, I, I'm going to need to work on that. <laughs> uh, so in a sub situation, what do you do? I mean, if you're not 100 percent sure of it, you're going to plow through and go with what you think should happen. Or are you just going to bail and do something that'll sound good? And, you know, you're the only one who'll know. Yeah. Well, that I mean, if it if like that happened at a gig and somebody called this tune and I got into it and realized, oh, hey, guess what, Dave? You don't actually know how to play this song. Uh, I would I would simplify it and just, you know, good. find the find the groove and, and hold it together. Um, of course. Of course. Yeah, I was thinking about you yesterday. So endings and um, making sure that you're listening to our versions of stuff or asking the right questions about endings. And again, our bass player, you know, is very dedicated to you being successful in this endeavor. So, and I've actually been in touch with him. It, it you oh, know, cool. well, it, yeah, I, 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 you know, I wanted to kind of have this conversation on the show because it, I'm, I'm certainly not the only guy that, that uh, has ever subbed for a gig or will ever. And you're not the only guy that's ever hired a sub for a gig. Right. Right. Um, and, and and that part of it's sort of the weird the, the the wild card because I know these guys I've met them before right sure. so I, it, it's not inappropriate for me to just reach out to them whereas if if it were a, a more traditional sub scenario it might be weird or it might not be like if you hadn't introduced me to Steve it, me just contacting him out of the blue. I maybe he doesn't even know that there's a sub on this gig yet. Right? I mean, I knew from our conversations that it wasn't wasn't going to be weird for me to contact him, and it wasn't. Right. You, you know, but like in a general sense, you, you really should follow the you know. The, well, depending the on how you do it, you're either you're either making everybody feel really good that you're doing your homework and you know prep, or right. you're making everybody feel really bad that you're sending out these flares. You know, is yeah. it, you know, be a very specific communicator with specific questions. Right. Cause it could yeah. go the other way where they can be like, uh Oh, this guy's flailing around and just contacting people and, you know, looking for a life vest. What's going on. Yeah. No, my, my reason for contacting Steve, I had a specific question and that was my excuse for contacting him. But my reason for contacting him was just to start a conversation. Not, not one that has to happen, you know, 14 times a day. And we obsessively, you know, call each other like teenagers dating or anything, but um, but just so that when I see him at the gig, there's been a little bit and maybe this weekend's little, you know, back and forth that we had is all there was. But that's enough. Right. You get to the gig. It's like, hey, man, nice to see you. We've had a conversation and that, you know, instantly helps. No, that, that sounds great. Yeah. 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 I'm sure Steve actually appreciated it. And, you know, he wants you to be successful and he's sure. preparing himself to do the things he needs to do to help you be successful. It was eye contact sticking, you know, standing right next to you, that type of thing. Right. Well, and it was obvious that he had already, he either is very thoughtful about this stuff anyway, which, which he might just be, or had already thought about this one tune. I asked him about, actually, I asked him about the groove on, on uh, Stevie wonders. I wish because there's the, the live version is a much, it's a much more open kind of swingy groove than the album version. And, uh, and I actually prefer the live version, but I didn't want to, I just, I just, again, I just wanted a question to ask him. So I asked him, I said, which one do you do? He's like, oh, we definitely do it more like the live thing. We swing it up a little bit. And, th and then he said, um, the, that tune ends with a trombone solo and we cue ourselves out of that. And I was like, oh, good. All right. Whew, mm -hmm. I, I got the right guy. Yeah. <laughs> or you got the right guy. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking about two things. I was thinking about um, those two Paul Simon songs, uh, Call Me Al. Yep. And uh, late in the evening, and I was actually, I, I don't know the answer to this, but if you were to take exactly what was played 
on the studio versions, are they too delicate to, to drive a big band live? Yes. You have to, you have to play the, no, you have to play the live version, but that's a really good question. Um, and, and hopefully whoever you hire as a sub knows enough to know that, but, but yeah. And, and, but, but maybe there is that communication where you say, Hey, you know, you gotta, you're going to be driving a band. (laughs) So make sure you learn, you know, this part in a way that's going to drive a 10 piece band, not, not, um, you know. Yeah. Well, again, it's not that we're going to have a sub situation often, but I do know that Joe has adapted a couple things very effectively, you know, really heavy on the floor. That Well, right? you got it. Well, and, and so late in the evening is a great example of that because it is it's this very um, the, what the hands are doing is a very intricate kind of part. It's a Mozambique groove is really what it is. I mean, Gad knows what he's doing, right? He what he played on the album is the same as what he plays live but not with the same intensity that he plays it live right. and, and where the, the, the intensity really changes is with that, the, the, the four on the floor. I mean, you just got to, no matter what you do with your hands and, and me as a drummer, I've played that tune a million times. That's not the one I've been talking about earlier, by the way. Um, and, but it's really intricate and really complex and you're going to screw it up at some point. And the most important thing is it doesn't matter what you screw up with your hands you keep that four on the floor pulse going and nothing gets in the way of that until the song's over. Now, interestingly, and you probably don't even know this, but Nick plays percussion on that. You told me that actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So, you know, he's adding like a timbali, you know, that's good. And he's used to doing that over what Joe lays down. It'll right. be interesting to see how you guys figure this out in, in real time. Again, I don't, nobody's going to die if it's a little busy or if, you know, or well, that's the thing is right. We'll get, and, and the cool part is with this gig, because of the type of gig it is, we're actually going to wind up playing at least some of these songs more than once. Any of them. Yeah. Most of them. Most of them. Right. And so like, yeah, Mike, I mean, unless something's a total train wreck and we decide, all right, that's the one that doesn't make it into the next set. There's this evolution that we get to go through, even just in the course of two days of, of, um, of playing these tunes and perfecting them. So like you said, if, if late in the evening turns into this thing, that's way too busy because I'm playing the gad part and there's this extra stuff. A we'll probably figure that out within about the first four bars of that song. (laughs) I mean, seriously, you know, it's not like Nick or I are going to hit the stage and be like, no, this is what I play and I shall do this. Right. I mean, we listen. So big ears is a, I mean, the the only way that this will be successful, but there are a couple of other things I wanted to ask about. Like to make it even a little more successful. So um, you've arranged for a drum kit for for me, which is awesome. Thank you for handling that logistic. Um, I just want to go through the list of things so that we don't get to the gig and find, oh, there's no stool here. So cymbals, snare, stool, kick pedal. Are all those included in that? I feel like we had this conversation once before, but I I figured I'd be a little pedantic doing it on the show. Yeah, so... I'll make sure it's the whole thing. Okay. And a rug. Oh, yeah. A rug. Okay. Okay. Uh, I also have on my list drum key and sticks. That's on me. I'll bring those. That's all good. You know, no problem there. Um, And uh, while we're on the subject of drums, um, how are those drums getting to the gig? Do I need to like rent a car or a van? No, we got it. It's all set. Okay. I'll take care of. All right. Sweet. And I, I assume, therefore, also that um, my my personal corpus is also uh, accounted for in the transportation to and from the gigs. Yeah, you're with me. That's good. Okay, <laughs> sweet. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right. I want to talk about 
Um, I'm just jumping around here. Oh, I also had a conversation with, um, with, with Bill, your sound guy, because again, he and I have known each other. We've been friends on Facebook for years. We, you know, communicate. This is all very amusing for me to hear that you're doing this background stuff. They haven't mentioned anything. This is funny. Okay. Yeah. I, well, my questions have been very targeted, specific and like surgical strikes. So I'm not, I'm not trying to overburden anyone, but I told Bill, I said, look, my preference is to use in-ears, but I don't want that to be a burden for either one of us. I want it to be the easier solution for us. So before I decide whether or not it's an easier solution, I have two questions for you. Number one, can you feed me either an XLR or a quarter inch to the stage? I can take it from there. And number two, is there a way I can mix my own ears with my iPhone or iPad? Because if not, then there's no reason driving both of us crazy about trying to, you know, mix my ears over the, you know, that I, we've talked about this on the show. I will no longer use in-ears anywhere that I'm not mixing my own ears. It's, 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 it's like teaching a pig to sing. It drives everybody I, crazy and annoys. So an interesting question for me is you're going to use in-ears with a band you've never played for. Isn't there a lot of kind of subjective information for things like dynamics and that type of thing that you kind of have to hear in real time the first time you play with a group? Um, perhaps it depends, um, on what mics are where on stage. In addition to being a drummer, I'm also a fairly skilled amateur sound guy. Uh, in fact, as an amateur sound guy goes, I'm extremely skilled. Um, so if it, well, but, but those questions can be answered, right? If there's an overhead mic over the drums, I'm not worried. I, I like that. I can do two ears in. And the overhead mic is enough because the over, I'm not moving, right? My, my ears basically stay in the same location. So, um, an overhead mic can, can account for whatever I'm going to hear there. I probably would play the first song with one ear in and one ear out to get my level set with whatever's going on on stage. And then I learn what that is and I put the other ear in and I stay there. Uh, in theory, I probably get louder throughout the gig. Like everybody does as the guitar player turns up and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I would much prefer to use it because the, the flip side is using a wedge. You now have to make that lead wedge louder than a snare drum. And the, it will always make me play louder. And that's not necessarily what we want. And it also kills my hearing. Cause I'm going to, if I'm wearing, if I'm using a wedge, I'm wearing earplugs. Right. Cause it's loud on stage and I don't like my ears to ring. So, yep. yeah. So I'm. I'm very used to it. I wouldn't do in-ears for the first time subbing for a band. Like I wouldn't do in-ears for the first time at a gig with a band that I knew, you know, that I'd been playing with for 10 years. You got to learn how to use in-ears and we've had that conversation, but, but yeah, I would much rather do it that way. Um, Cause then I have control over it and it's easy and you know, it's not too loud and I can be happy. And, and if it's terrible, I can just wear one. And then I hear, you know, Steve's next to me. I can hear my drums I hear whatever bleeds around and then I've got the other ear for the, the, you know, the guy that's way over there, the vocals or whatever. But it's a fair question. Yeah. Well, it's much, it's, it's really about, um, you know, when the band pushes and, and, you know, it's a dynamics thing. Mm -hmm. Is that I don't know, like, again, I'm, I'm still so far behind the curve on getting the satisfactory inner experience that I have, you know, and along with that is like, even if I get a good inner experience, um, once you take it out and kind of feel the band and kind of get that adrenaline going, it's really hard to put it back in. I mean, once you're kind of there in the, in the stage. Yeah. There, there's definitely that to me, it's a, it's a verse, right? If I, if I have the ear ear out for a little bit and then I put it in, 
there's that weird sort of detached feeling that adjustment period that lasts for me about a verse and then, and then I'm good and then I'm in it. So I just need to prepare for that. Like, you know, don't put them, don't change them at the at wrong moments in songs, mm. but yeah, otherwise it's fine. Yeah. Well, cool. So, so the answer is yes. Bill was like, of course I can send you a feed to the stage. That's like super easy. And, and yes, here's, and not only yes, can you mix it with your phone, but here's the app you should go get and yep. you'd be all set. So it's like, Oh, sweet. Great. Um, do I need to worry about dress code for these gigs? I, I think I know the answer to this, but again, and just being for our, for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah. So dress code is a, is a good question. And uh, I would have prepared this for, for you before you would have got on a plane, but yeah, I mean, we're not, we don't, we don't dress like, but you know, black yep. solves a lot of things. Hell yeah. And uh, you know, if you want to be a little funkier, that's up to you. But the big thing is no work clothes is what I tell the guy. There's no, no golf shirts. <laughs> yeah. No, no shirts with, um, with buttons in the collar. So no, no Oxford collars. Ah, uh, yep. 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 So, you know, Look good, you know, look like a seasoned rock music player. Yeah. You know, not, not, not trying too hard, but, but respecting the audience. Yeah. My, my typical uniform, and I don't know if I have buttons in the collar or not, but my typical uniform for rock gigs is a black long sleeve button down shirt and, and jeans or, or yeah. shorts if the gig calls for it, you know, but I'll get it done. Yeah. That's, that's I mean, if you have thing. like a, you know, like I guess you, for lack of a better term, like a bowling shirt, that type of, you know, those yeah. types of shirts are okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no Tommy Bahamas, no, nothing, nothing that screams out. I'm an old guy trying to play young people's music. Right. Yeah. No, it's just a flat black shirt. Yep. Yep. And, and I like, I, as a drummer, I actually prefer playing in a button down shirt than I do a t-shirt because I can get, because there's more airflow on a button. Oh, that's down interesting. Shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It's weird, but I actually like a long sleeve shirt that I can roll up. Uh, but if it's really hot, I'll, you know, then that, that sometimes changes. And I'll just play. In Do you play barefoot? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. There'll be no shoes worn while I'm behind, while I'm playing the drums. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Strom, Strom plays barefoot. Oh, he does. Oh, that's, yes. oh, that's great. That's so the good. stage will smell uniformly. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I, um, I, I'm surprised that more drummers don't. I, I mean, I guess if you if you're someone that wears shoes around your house all the time, then it makes sense that you would you would play the drums with shoes on. Uh, but if you're someone that doesn't wear shoes around the house, it seems like a weird thing to uh, not play with shoes at home and to play with shoes at a gig, especially with an instrument where you know you're talking about like you know, whatever a quarter to a half an inch difference in where your feet line up with the pedals. It's a whole different thing. That was my problem is I had to like move things around at gigs. I'm like, well, I'll just take the shoes off. That'll move them around. Get some right where I like them. <laughs> um, all right. My last question about these gigs is charts. So I've been building my own little cheat sheets, if you will, not charts. Uh, and honestly, I, I really wanted to be able to do these charts electronically or these cheat sheets electronically for this one. But I've never been able to do that before because really what I want is I need to be able to write myself some notes in, you know, with words in English or something approximating that. And, but I also need to be able to like write out little rhythmic figures to key myself like, Oh, here's the intro of this tune. It's just much easier to write that out with, with notation for me than it mm -hmm. is to try and, you know, like spell it out with words. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I hadn't found an app that would do this for me. And, you know, Apple's notes app, has been fantastic for it because I, I can use, incorporate both, but I'm open to, to other suggestions. 
Yeah, no, I use a I use one of those good notes apps on a on a iPad. Yeah. And which you know, you what's the either, name of the app? I gotta go look for it. Okay. Uh, right, I'd be curious notified. because yeah. I'm, I'm not overcommitted yet, but you know, over the next week I will be. So well, the thing that's the thing that's great is you know you can import a PDF, so you can take our existing chart and you can mark those things up, or you can just you know mark something up. And so those apps, I've been pretty happy with using those for my acoustic gigs. Yeah. You know, for like lyrics and, you know, sometimes I have to put a little reminder note in the lyrics or that type of thing. Yeah. And you can do it with, with typed text or written text. And so that's a pretty good one. I gotta go. I'll go take a look at it. Okay. And, and uh, I'll give it to you for the, for the show notes. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been really actually got my phone here. So this is a funny thing because you mentioned something that I was going to ask you about that we haven't talked about, nor has it been offered to me before. Your band has charts. Like wait, you, you, you wait, ha- yeah, wait. Oh, was it offered? Our band has charts. Well, horn charts. Yeah. But no one in the rhythm section has a stand on stage. That That's a no-no. So I wouldn't ever use a stand on stage. Okay. But I might have my iPad clamped onto my hi-hat stand. Mm-hmm. Is that acceptable? Yeah, that's, that's cool. Okay. Especially for this situation. Um, my app is Notability. Oh, you use notability. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll try that for this. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, No, I wouldn't have a stand on stage. That that looks, uh, looks terrible. But here's the thing. Um, Your horn charts, how detailed are they? They're the horn charts. Do they have like, I mean, do they, if a sub horn player came in, would they catch beginnings and endings of your songs based on those horn charts? Um, well, no, because if the beginning and ending is, well, they would for time, but that's what I mean for for, time. Yeah. 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 Oh, in fact, I'd love to get a copy of all your horn charts for any of the tunes we're doing. Wow. All right. Is that a difficult request? I mean, if it's, if it's easy and you can just send me a folder of PDFs, great. I'll filter through them. That's fine. I just, I'm just, oh, that might work. Yeah. So anyway, um, when I was doing black Sunday road show, that big band, the drummer, the drummer worked off the trumpet charts. He said, that's totally, totally fine. Yep. So it gives you form of the song, but it doesn't give you any drum parts for the song. No, I, drum parts are easy. That's the, that's like, no, seriously, that's the part that I worry about the least. It's the form that is the stress point for me. So if I have those, even if I'm, I mean, you know, I, I have a pretty good memory, especially visual. So as soon as I see it, it's like, oh, okay, I got, I understand what this song is now. So, um, even just to, you know, glance at it quick on the iPad before the song starts and it's like, all right, great. Now, at least then I'm not guessing, you know? Yeah. And the only thing that comes to mind is, you know, we're reasonably spontaneous as well. So totally fine. You know, if we need to go around another time on a solo or if oh. I want to talk to the audience during something. And so, you know, you have to have a concept and the charts are marked out a sections, B sections, that type of thing. So if something is happening to extend an A section. It, it will be reasonably obvious. Oh, no, that that's don't worry about that. That I, I got no problem. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm more interested in if you've got something that at least approximates the arrangement that your band at least thought about doing for this song, and then it morphed from there, or it morphs from there while we're doing it. Great, no problem. But having that frame of reference would be great. Yeah. All right. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to narrow the whole thing down to about twenty to twenty-five songs which may be where we are already. I we are. Back to check. That's about yeah. where we are. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a finite problem to solve. Yeah, and it's then, easy. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get you a, a Dropbox. So, so the lesson here for listeners, as you're kind of listening to our dirty laundry here, you know, how do you apply this to you so that this is all about preparation to sub for something? And if the band has charts um, and if the guy is remote, that's actually another interesting part of this whole right. thing here. So, right. so uh, you know, using some digital technology to kind of bridge the gap is helpful. Notability as an app, uh, PDF markup and, um, and a notes app is good. And then Dropbox is a way to communicate tools and and, uh, and charts is a useful tool. So. And I, I don't mean to make this a burden for you. It, no. If it's if it's if it's easier to just share with me all of the trumpet parts and and have me filter through. And if there's songs in there that we're not doing, I'll just ignore them. That's that's fine. Yeah. I don't I don't mind that at all. I you know this this I, I I there's some level of work like the prep is up to me. I just need to ask the right questions. All right, let me yeah. let me just give you a link to our to our um, treasure chest of charts. Yeah, and I, yeah, I promise I won't delete them. So I, I, I'm, I'm good enough with Dropbox. Thankfully, I'm a tech guy, so you know, I probably won't. <laughs> that is a problem. I, you know, totally. It, the funny thing is, is you know, if Dropbox is set a certain way, if you tell someone here's a chart and they grab it and pull it in, they're grabbing the chart. Yeah, and nobody all else of a has Dropbox it now. Empty. Yeah. yeah, that's the point. No, yeah, yeah. You've got to be very thoughtful about that. That's right. right. Yep. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. Any other um, song specific things? I would think it's interesting if there's other, like I, I'm trying to think about. Yeah, I do. I have, I have, um, I'll pull up the list of songs here. Hang on. Um, I'm, I bet one off the top of my head that uh, I'm glad you asked this question is uh, rich girl. Do you guys do it like ballad tempo, like the record or up tempo, like hollow notes did it live Uh, live. And it's, you know, starts out with a, you know, solo. Yeah. Just piano and vocal. Right. Yep. That's how it starts. Okay. In time though. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Now I, I know the live version. Well, I just wasn't sure when I, I, in fact, I had put the studio version on my playlist. And when I went and played along with it the other day, it was like, Oh my God, this is like molasses. <laughs> yeah. It's so, but we do have it. We wrote an ending for that. So we're going to have to figure out how to get you the ending for that. All right. It's fine. We can talk it through. Steve, Steve and I'll have a language by then. It's fine. It's all good. <laughs> Well, there, right. There is a th- th- this is where the benefit of having, you know, some level of musical training, at least with two people like the sub and one person in the band uh, makes like things like that, especially in the moment. Very, very handy. Rich Girl is an interesting song, though, for us to talk about, because it's a one where I wasn't actually sure it would go over well when we did it, because mm. it's that kind of mid-tempo, even yeah. at a push tempo, yeah, it's, it's mid-tempo. It's still, yeah, it's either ballad or mid-tempo. That's right. And yeah. it's a very subtle thing that, you know, outside of the hands of the people who wrote it, how do you make it pop? And how also do you make it not disappear amongst a bunch of more high energy, you know, testosterone yep. um, you know, type of stuff? So it'll be interesting to see what you do with that. Um Again, we're playing a car show, so I know. you know, seventies stuff is good. That's why I'm going to keep it in for this. Yeah, um, you know, modern stuff. You know, the, the the audience for this car show is going to skew a little bit older, and so you know, there's less interest in some of the newer stuff we do. But stuff, seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties stuff, eighties some um, is is one aspect of it, and then songs about cars are the other thing. So we got vehicle, which you're really good with vehicle, right? We played that together. You and I played that together. Yeah. Yeah. Vehicle. And then how about, how about that Beatles medley that drive my car medley? So I, I, I know that medley um, from listening to it and from seeing the love show this weekend was the first time that I played along with it, man. Giles Martin is a freaking master there. The tempo of that thing never 
ever wavers. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't know how he did that. I, it's like, it's amazing. I played through the whole thing. It was like. So, so tell everybody what the components of the medley are. Uh, yeah, I don't know off the top. Drive of my, my car. Head. Yeah, it's drive my car. It's what you're doing. What you're doing. And, and then uh, the the word the word love. What's the name of that song? The word. Love? The word. It's the word. word. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, man. So yeah, it's a great medley, though. It's great. I mean, seamless. And it's still only like two minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. So okay, um, looking at some of these tunes, it's funny you mentioned vehicle. I'm fine with vehicle, but that's one of those songs that as a sub coming in, just for me as a sub coming in, I have to be very careful of because that I don't dismiss it saying I've played that song a million times. I don't need to worry about it. I can just nail it. And that was true. The last time I played vehicle, I totally nailed it, but that was probably five or six years ago, you know, and, and there are some turnarounds in that. So it's like, I need to be thoughtful about, and I've already done it. I, I had to listen to it and like, oh yeah. All right. That's how this goes. Okay. Yep. Now I remember. And now I'm good. You know? Yeah. But I would just say, don't overthink, listen no. and enjoy playing. It'll be, a, it'll be a much more pleasant experience for yeah. you. Well, don't, we're, don't we're, get too tied up in knots about this stuff. No, I'm not. But where, what I am doing is making sure that I'm going to be able to have as much fun as I can. And part of that is coming in with confidence about song forms. Mm. Uh, you know, if I'm sweating the form of the song, I'm not going to have as much fun playing it as I would if I just come in and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. Or, you know, I know the form as it is on the record. And you guys say, all right, but, you know, we take that solo and, and we stretch it out until we cue out of the end. It's like, oh, easy. Great. No problem. But again, yeah. ha just having that foundation um, really actually does make it more fun for me. So, well, that's interesting. So so for me. Music is most fun when you can just play with your ears, you know, yeah. and it just kind of flows out and comes out over preparation and, and being kind of a slave. Now, now this is an interesting thing. Cause remember I played with guys who are pretty focused on their charts. Yeah. And, um, yeah, see, I don't want to be focused on the charts. Okay, good. Yeah. I, I want to be off book as much in as the possible. Moment. Yeah. But, but I guarantee that there will be some songs for this gig where, where what off book actually means is, look at it quick before we start the song and mm -hmm. then go, you know, and, and now I have it in my head, but I haven't like some of these songs. I just haven't played enough to have the form just in my hands, it, it, you know, so I've got to think about it and then not think about it. And that's all, it's all good. So one thing I didn't talk to you about though, is interesting how I write set lists, physically write the set list. Okay. So on my set list, um, we'll try and clump together sometimes three, four, five songs. Sure. And the way you'll know that there's an expectation that these songs didn't go right to each other is like the first song and then the, the songs that are to be continued are indented yeah, under. That makes so sense. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times what, it, what that implies is we end a lot of songs on a held chord. Yeah. And it's, it's up to the drummer to hold, you know, yeah. splash the cymbals yeah, until roll. I count in the next thing. So, okay, that's good to know. Yeah, that, that would have made sense to me on the set list. That I do exactly the same thing with the indentation. Um, so that that works. Um, and and you brought up another topic. Who who counts in these tunes? And are there any tunes where you're expecting me to count it in? And if so, just mm -hmm. let me know which those are. Yeah, there, there's... there's um this is a whole episode. So in general, I, I, I count in the be. tunes. Yeah. yeah. In general, I count in the tunes um, usually on mic, right? Oh, okay. 
Even so, yeah, that's even easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So in general, I do. There are a couple of tunes where if Nick is singing them, for example, um, and he wants the tempo a certain way, yep. and and I'm not feeling the tempo coming out of the previous song, I'll just look it to him, and he'll look, he'll make eye contact with you, and he'll count. Oh, great! So that that can happen. And I actually am thinking there's probably going to be a couple songs. So, for example, uh, "Call Me Al." Yeah. So, "Call Me Al" starts with the drums, right? Well, it, it, let me no, just say it starts. It do, it does maybe in your version, sure. In our version, so it starts okay. with the drums, kind of establishing the beat. Ah, okay. And then, and it's once that kind of settles in, the drummer actually counts out four for the horn to do the riff. And and does the drummer, i.e., me, stop when the horns start that nope. riff? Okay, nope. so the groove keeps going underneath it because yeah. because the um the the studio version it starts with just horns right. and then the drums and the bass come in together. You know what, actually, now thinking about that, there may be a snap on one and the horns do the riff. Yeah, actually, that's that's probably what happens. in, right. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's how I would do it if I were going to arrange it, you know. And and there will, I guarantee you, there will be that moment of, in the the gig where, you know, what I would have done if I would have arranged the tune, if we Mm -hmm. haven't talked about it, is what I will do. And and then we'll we'll figure it out. I mean, it's impossible. it's impossible to account for every scenario. Right. Yeah. Un- unless you're doing a fully charted show and you're not. And that's, I'm, and I'm not suggesting that we, we should. <laughs> yeah, we're not. Right. No, <laughs> I know. No, I, 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 that, I, yeah. <laughs> I clarified for a reason. That's right. Um, I'm trying to think else? of what else is on the list that, oh yeah. So <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Um, I got to get my meal of crow out here a little bit. Um, so I'm usually really good about sorting out where songs start when they're weird. Like, you know, Led Zeppelin's rock and roll is on the end of three. Take it easy is on the end of four, right? I could play glory days with you a hundred times in a row and get that intro, right? A hundred times in a row. Mm-hmm. I have not yet figured out how that intro is counted. Um, so the, here's the thing. <laughs> Evidently that's a hard thing for drummers and Steve will, Steve counts it for Joe and he'll count it for you. Oh, okay. Well then I'll just, he'll just tell me. And then once I, once I know it once, then, uh, then it, I could play yeah. it. I just never, I don't, I don't know. know that like, ca- I don't know that he'll count it, but he'll give you, you know, a visual where that first, snare hit is yeah and you, you take it from there Audi- like audibly i know where it is i just what i don't know is what beat your guitar starts on i i just yeah, haven't and like a lot of guitar players yet. i just play the what i know by ear so yeah. i don't count it in my head i just start the song mm. i'll ask steve he probably knows that's good yeah or actually by the by the time i get there someone listening to the show will have sorted that out i'm sure and tell me because that that's I think that's it starts right on one yeah that's possible it starts on one, and then when the when the band kicks in, is when it's like an upbeat of one. That is true. I think you might be right about that. As I'm listening to it, it just doesn't sound like it starts on one. That's the it's trick. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And then when the band comes in, it's da 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 da. da. Yeah. So yep. That's what happens. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, All right. You ready to do the gig? We don't have to talk again, right? Nope. That's it. Yeah. Done. Get out of here. What are you doing? That's right. <laughs> um, you, you know, I know we've pretty much filled up this episode, but um, we had a question from listener Kevin that is just so perfect that we can't 
let this episode wrap up before we uh, before we talk about his question. So he says, Dave and Paul, this past weekend, I played a two hour gig. And the funny thing is, I, this email came in like 10 minutes after I got the set list from you uh, where I'm the sub drummer. So this is it's just ironic. The timing He says uh, this past weekend, I played a two hour gig, two hour gig subbing in for a drummer. I wanted to share a couple of things and get your comments. First, I answered an ad on Facebook. I've never played with anyone in this band before. They sent me their sets and I felt confident I could pull it off. We met and had a run through rehearsal on the Thursday before a Saturday gig. We were running through a slow blues song and couldn't get locked in on the feel. The song called for playing on the back of the beat being just the filling guy. I really thought I should just bite my tongue, but the drummer in me couldn't leave it alone. After we finished, I spoke up. I politely stated that I know I'm not a regular member of the band but would they mind if I made a suggestion? They were gracious and heard my input. We ran it again with the bass and lead guitar matching me in the back of the beat, and things were really good. Now to the day of the gig. After working the practice, I observed that the group wasn't tight and clean, and they had some minor tempo issues. They aren't poor players. They just needed to take the time to tighten things up. I went in with the mindset that I was going to drive from the kit and force them to follow. So I drove, and I drove hard. Honestly, they played just fine, and I had one of the best shows that I had in a while. So, a couple of questions. First, should I have spoken up at practice? I was polite, and it was a helpful suggestion that fixed the problem. And second, at the gig, should I have sat back and followed, or did I make the right call and take charge? I believe I did, because it elevated their playing at the gig. What do you guys think? So, I'm curious what you think before the drummer in me replies. (laughs) Well, my first things that that I think are, you know, it sounds like he was he was particularly thoughtful in the way that he kind of asserted himself, which is the key. Right. Mm -hmm. If you you know, you can come off as a real jerk if you're not thoughtful. And so, you know, asking, do you mind if I offer suggestions and you got to really feel it out? You know, there's you know, you got to who's the smartest guy in the room and, you know, are they open? Do they know what they're doing? Do they know what, you know, behind ahead of the beat or behind the beat means and, you know, all these types of things. And so, you know, you never want to embarrass people who are hiring you. Right. And this is the thing. Do you want to be, do you want to be a sub guy who gets calls because you can fit into any situation? So it's a dicey thing. I would, um, if my band was a band that were having the kind of difficulties that he was having, I might be open to it depending upon how it was presented. Sure. But in general, I just, I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to deal with any of the things that could come up with right. from a sub asserting himself in my situation. So he might've said it and three guys might be cool with it. And one guy might not. And that could set off a longer term reaction of problems, you know, that, yeah. that could be issues. So in general, I want subs to be invisible. That, I guess that would be the question. My band is, is uh, together enough where that should be the case. So, um, because again, one person's, you know, can I make a suggestion could be another person's you're trying to change my band. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. You know, come, come across in a very different way. Totally. So, I mean, I would say in general, I think a good sub, you know, comes in, does his job, doesn't try and tell anybody anything about their band. Um, even if it's solicited, I would play that really carefully because you never know all the all the different yeah, types. Yeah, you don't of, know the baggage that 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 arrived at the door with you. Exactly, or with them, but rather. So, so, yep. so that's my answer. I like subs to just fit in and make my life easier, not make me, you know, because it's just it's a small jump to. But wouldn't it be cool if you just changed the ending like this? Yes, like, to- like, totally. Who yeah. are you, dude? Just play the part, right? Right. Right. No, totally. Yeah. So it, it, it's interesting that you say that. And of course, you know, this is all loaded here because I'm coming to sub for you. 
Um, uh, but I think, I think there's a, I, I think assuming that a sub in your rhythm section is going to be invisible is naive. I think it's impossible. In fact, that you would have someone uh, that you would have a drummer sub and not absolutely notice it every single beat of the whole gig. Now, hopefully you notice it in a pleasant way. Right. And hopefully it's like, oh, yeah. All right. Cool. We're locked in. This is great. But you're definitely going to notice it. There's no, no, let me try it again. Invisible, no invisible in terms of overhead of management, not invisible in mm. terms of playing. I don't expect a sub to be the same guy. Sure. He's subbing for. But um, uh, his opinion is not. He's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm not coming we've into put, this. We've as already a, put so many years into right. rehearsing our band in a certain way that if someone was, you know, again, it's that very gray area between. But th- see, that's the thing is his suggestion wasn't about changing the ending of a song or to him, though. But what I'm saying is he's giving you his interpretation of this band. The the risk is if the leader of that band didn't share that interpretation. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. just by bringing it up, you've created a, a dynamic. No. Right? Oh, totally. By bringing it up. See, my thought is if I were in that situation, what would I do? And I, I'm not, it, again, it, you know, we weren't there and it sounds like things were very open and, and friendly in the rehearsal and it, it went okay, but it is a risky point. If it, if I were there, I would probably just play and I, I would like what he did at the gig is very different, right? We're talking about two different things, right? At rehearsal, he actually brought it up and discussed it at the gig. He just played the songs the way he knew they, they were supposed to be played. And he kept these guys in line tempo wise and did what he thought his job was as a sub without it being a discussed point. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that's more the right way to handle it is just, you know, find where you can fit in and make them sound as good as you can possibly make them sound. Forget about how they sound with their other drummer. It doesn't matter. He's not there. Right. Um, maybe it's, you know, maybe it'll never be as good as it is with the other drummer. Maybe it'll be the same. It'll, maybe it'll be better. It doesn't matter. You're the drummer. Make it sound as good as it possibly can with you and the other musicians on stage in that moment. That's the best you can do. And yeah, if that means driving the tempo a little bit because you feel like if we stay on the groove, this is good. You have to, especially as a drummer, you have to play with confidence. And that's really weird when you're the least confident one on stage, you know, if you do the math. Yeah, but the leader will, you know, he'll rein you in if he needs to rein you in. If that's what leader to. should do. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. But but up until that point, you should play with confidence. And here's the really difficult part. Even after that point, you should play with confidence, just absorbing in the the input that you got from the leader. So if the leader says, uh, you know what, um, we gotta, you know, we gotta back off the tempo of this one, or we gotta let this be a little bit fluid during this particular solo, you have to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's your job is the hired gun. If, if you're the member of the band, totally different story. But you're not. You're the hired gun. And and you just OK, great. But then you have to be confident with that. And it's I'll tell you from experience, it's really difficult to maintain that level of confidence when you've been chastised for being confident. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I, no, I get what you're saying. Here's the thing. Yeah. To my to my experience, any drummer I would want to play with. Drums are basically the thing that are going all the time. That's right. right? Yeah. Right. And so there needs to be a presence and a, and a purpose, you know, and a, a yeah. meaning to that playing at all times. So I agree. That is the basic job is, you know, keep time. Yeah. Like when you tell me or Nick tells me after we play late in the evening once and he says, all right, you got to simplify the part. 
right? I mean, if that's what happens, all right, well, now I have to simplify the part. I can't be pissed about that. It doesn't matter how hard I worked on the part, right? Yeah. You know, or how I played it in this other band and how great it was right. doing it that way, right? I mean, that's not of, a sub. That's not the sub. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I agree with you. There's two things here. There's the risk. But I have to then be confident playing it the simpler uh-huh. way and yep. not just like, hmm, okay, fine. You know, but you know, I say, I'll i give you an example. We have yeah. great, 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 like, We've had um, a Grammy Award winning horn player sit in with us. We've had um, the guy who writes the charts and leads the horn section for the Doobie Brothers and the, and the um, Huey Lewis and News, you know, sit sure. in with us. Horn players walk though, that level. We, we've had the trombone player for Sly and the Family Stone. Nice. Those, cat, those cats walk in and they own it no matter what. I mean, yep. they own it, whatever the leader asks them to do. And that's the thing. And well, so you're talking about the difference between an amateur and a pro. I mean, I, I guess th- that's I really the thing. Think well, that's, that's the thing. And, and, and is there such a thing as an amateur sub? So, so if you're an amateur, <laughs> you know, you probably and, shouldn't be subbing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's kind of the thing. So I, you know, what I read from this whole situation, it is, it is a great question and it's phrased in a very interesting way. I don't know if I would have spoke up in a rehearsal, right? Your it's job. A, it's dicey. Yeah. I, I yeah. agree with that. And I'm somebody, I mean, look, we do this podcast together. I can't keep my mouth shut, but um, in that scenario, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It depends. It Again, it depends on the dynamic. Were you subbing and there was some discussion of, well, we need a sub because our drummer left and we're looking to fill the spot. But right now, all we need is a sub. So with that, that actually might open the door to, oh, well, maybe this is a band I want to play with. Maybe they want to play with me longer than this one gig. Now is there like, does that open the dynamic up to just start feeling each other out? Well, that's an audition though. But that's, so that's, well, but it's, I mean, sometimes, yes, it is an audition, but sometimes sub gigs become audition or, you know, sub gigs become the audition for yeah. the bigger. And, but, but again, you got to like what I'm doing with you is not even close to that. I mean, it's, it's no, it's a sub gig. in no way, shape or form. Yeah. An audition. So, so the answer is right. well, the, the tack taken, even though it was respectful and it seems to work out, I'd say it's risky in mm-hmm. general to, to try and to try and um, tutor someone's band from a sub position. Risky. Again, you, you know, you, you don't have a lot of time to feel out the effects of what you're bringing up. No. And you but, may never get but, that phone call again. You may. Right. Exactly. That, that, and that's and, the worst. Or part. the other way around is, is that leader. If he's talking to other leaders like, you know, good drummer, but man, guys, guys got a lot of opinions. Yep. That's not something that's going to help your sub career. That's right. So if you want to be a, a, you know, a first call type of guy or a second call type of guy, it's your pliability and, you know, not, this could go to the egg. You know, the guy tried to tell me how to run my band. You could go to that. Even if they're smiling at you and saying, Oh sure, man, speak up. What do you got to say? Yeah. I mean, you don't know what the takeaway is going to be, but I agree with you. You know, what he did in the gigs makes total sense to me. He played his parts and he did his best to yep. be a, a great drummer for that band, you know, but I, I don't, the commentary that I played one of my big, best gigs ever, I don't kind of connect this, you know, he may have helped them to play a better gig, you know, because of more time. I don't know if he's seen the band play without him or anything like that, but, but, um, well, he had one of his, his best shows, you know, we're, I mean, we all have yeah. our, our internal, you know, that's how I took that is, is, his is that, is that barometer. connected to his ability to convince the guys to, you know, stay with him on time. So oh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I I don't know what the connection is. So anyway, yes, what you said is really the most salient thing. A drummer, if you're going to sub, you have to walk in and you have to be ready for any, you know, direction that you get and absent of direction, you got to deliver the goods in order to be one of those guys, that's right. that, you know, yeah. that well, opens and, eyes. And and the third thing is, you know, well, perhaps two A is absent of direction. The choices you make have to be good ones. 
Yeah. I, I mean, and that that speaks to skill as a player, right? Because there's going to be more, especially in a situation like this, or like I mean, it's very similar to what we're doing here. Um, more often than not, what I'm playing is what I've decided to play based on listening to, you know, the tunes and all of that stuff. But there's choices that I'm going to have to make. And we're not going to pedantically go through every beat of every song to, to decide what you want me, what choice you want me to make there. So I have to make choices and hopefully I'm largely making ones that are good for your band. Yeah. You, you use the term big ears, which I think is that's the, the key. Yeah. That is the Bible for a sub of any instrument at all. You know, not particularly drums, but certainly drums is that you're there to um, fill in something that's missing for whatever reason. Yep. Um, and if possible, you know, show your chops and, you know, not, not dominate the gig, but Appropriately. You know, yeah, yeah, let the band know what you're, yeah. let the, you know, make the show better by your presence um, in a, in a teamwork oriented, you know, style. So Anyway, that, that's my thoughts. Is that risky Risky to try and assert yourself in rehearsal like that? Very I, risky. I, I experience this all the time in the, in the theater world because I'm, I'm an opinionated guy, you know. But in, like, in theater, that's like one step beyond being a sub. There is a book that is written, and there's a music director that gave you that book, and that's the person you talk to. Mm-hmm. And you play the part exactly as that person tells you to play it. And that's just how it has to be because that music director is the bridge between however big the pit is and however big the cast is. And that music director typically before you, before I show up has worked with each cast member sorting out all the harmonies and, and getting everything right. So even when they're wrong, they're right just because of momentum, you know, they will take it one step further. He's accountable. Well, that's the, yes, correct. (laughs) That goes South. Yeah, no, totally. That, and that's correct. And there have been, I, I can think, you know, I've, I've got back into this theater thing, what, maybe four or five years ago. And there have been two times where I have overstepped that line and it's been conscious. One of them was at a rehearsal for a play and I could hear, I could hear that there was something, I knew exactly what was wrong with the harmony. Uh, and the music director is trying to work it out and the band's just sitting there being quiet. And I could hear exactly what was going on. And the music director couldn't communicate to the singers the right way to get them to understand what they needed to fix. And uh, 20 minutes, you know, 10 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by. We're at like the 24 minute mark. And that I just couldn't do it anymore. And I'm like, All right, hang on, wait a minute. I think what I'm hearing from over here is that whoever's singing this part and I knew who I knew exactly who was singing what part, but I needed to be soft as soft as possible in my approach and get this done. The music director at that point, in my opinion, should have punted this and, and to a, a later time. Like, you know what? Let's get here early tomorrow. We'll work on it. You know, we don't have to hold up the rest of the company. Right. And, uh, and so I spoke up and within 30 seconds, the, the problem was fixed. Could he have fired you on the spot if he didn't like what you had to say? Absolutely. Of course. I mean, you I don't know who, I don't, I don't know who else they would have gotten as a drummer. I was so ready for that. Yes. I, I was, there were a lot of things the people involved and, and actually the skill of all the people involved was totally fine. There were a lot of logistical things with this gig that were driving me crazy. And if somebody had fired me, it wouldn't have been good. I, and I wasn't trying to get fired, but it wouldn't have been um, <laughs> there would have been a silver lining in that. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But I, uh, that was not my goal. My goal was to, to better the production. It really was. I was committed at that point. Um, but yeah, he totally could have fired me, but he didn't. He thanked me. He's like, thank you so much. He's like, 
I, I was tearing my hair out trying to figure that out. And I'm like, yeah, no problem, man. I, I, you know, sorry, I stepped on your toes. He's like, no, I, I get it. You're, you, thank you. It was great. You know, but there was some trust there. We'd been working together for weeks. I wasn't the new guy. The other time it happened was last summer. I was doing dirt, dirty, rotten scoundrels. And there was a moment in the, uh, in the show where there was a drum solo and there was motion on stage that was in sync with the drum solo and the drum solo ended on one beat and on the very next beat, um, like somebody, like when I hit the last beat of my solo, somebody stepped on like the tail of a, a phony dog on stage and the dog, the dog had to bark, but like there needed to be deathly silence so that this comedy moment happened. Right. You know, it's like all this commotion, somebody steps on the dog, everything stops as the dog barks. Right. I mean, it, you know, the people that wrote it did it right. It was great. I was sharing the show with, with another drummer. We only had two dress rehearsals. So he did it the first dress rehearsal, uh, or I did it the first dress rehearsal and screwed it up. Um, he did it the second dress rehearsal and screwed it up. So it had never been right. Um, and we get to the show and the, I, I played the first show. I sat here at home, counted through it, learned it. I like, I had my aha moment. So I really knew exactly how this part went. Cause it was a really intricate groove and the solo started in a weird spot. So it just wasn't predictable, you know, and that's sort of the point of comedy and, and musicals. And I figured it out and I played it a couple of times. I was like, okay, now I just know this. There's no question in my mind. I've got this right. So we're in the, uh, and it was a four bar drum solo, uh, 16 beats. So we're in it, in the show. We're at the uh, eighth beat of my 16-beat drum solo, and out of the corner of my eye, I see the music director cue cut. And so I had a split second to decide, am I going to follow him because I know he's wrong? Uh, but by definition, he's always right, so it doesn't matter. So do I follow him, or do I just decide, no, I'm going to play eight more beats and do what I think is right and deal with it at, at intermission. And I decided, no, you know what? I'm going to, I know I'm right. I'm going to finish this phrase. And if I'm wrong, I'm going to be wrong in a big, big way. There's, you know, there's no, I'm not going to peter out, you know, a beat into the next measure or whatever. I'm going to own this and, and we're going to take it all the way through. So I did it. And it, I, I couldn't, re the problem was I never was able to hear the dog bark. So I, could, I didn't know if I got it right. And so we got to intermission and I'm gingerly getting up from the drum kit, like, okay, here it comes, you know, and like nothing. And so I hunted him down at, at intermission. I'm like, John, and we'd worked together. For trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, I needed to know I'd worked with this guy a lot. We were, we were about to do three weeks of a run together. I mean, it wasn't like we could avoid each other. So I, I found him and I'm like, Hey man, I, I, I'm sorry. Did I screw up that thing? He's like, no, thank you so much for playing all the way through. He's like, I cued you at the wrong time. <laughs> I'm like, dude, <laughs> he's like, well, yeah. I'll tell you that's serendipitous that he would own that. But, but you know, like, here's yeah. the problem from a leader standpoint. Once you know, someone on stage is willing to do that. You have no idea what else they're willing to do. That's the thing. And what other people are then going to interpret as now it's okay for us to do that type of thing. I so, know. so, you know, that would, that would have made me even in my error, I would have say, okay, I'll fall on the sword. It was my error or, you know, but I, I think I would have handled it a little bit differently, but you would have just invoked pure raw panic that, okay, so clearly you're not going to take my direction. Right. And now what happens? And now what? No, that that's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I, so, I knew it. I was like, no, I can't stop. 
And, uh, and he was, he was actually like, like I said, he was, we've we'd worked together many times before we've worked together since, and we're booked to work together in the future. So it, it's Would all Would you have good. done it if you didn't know him? Um, I don't know. It, 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 there definitely was the, the, it, it would be almost impossible. I guess if I was subbing for a theater gig, cause that's like a whole other level, but it would be almost impossible for you to be in that scenario and not at least have some working relationship with that person. Um, but, it, but it, it like it definitely like our, our working relationship definitely factored into my split second decision. Like, no, John will trust me on this, you know? Um, because we, we'd been through rough spots in plays before. That's the beauty of live theater is, you know, we talk about, how you, I mean, I've said on the show many times how I really like those moments where like, you know, you've got to communicate quickly and non-verbally and all of that stuff. And, and we've had many of those, uh, that we've sort of saved each other's bacon on. And, uh, so there was, there was more to it than just that one moment, of course. Um, and I knew he trusted me and I knew if, if I really pissed him off, he would just tell me that I pissed him off and, and not to do it again. And it would have been okay, but that's good. Yeah. But, but you're right. I mean, it, but what we're saying about this and relative to the, to the listener's question is there's knowns and there's unknowns. Mm-hmm. If you're a sub with a band that you don't know, that's you're the rolling thing. the dice, you know, with your opinion. If you're working with people you do know, you can make, you have more data to make an educated assumption. Yes. Yeah. About how to handle a certain situation. But it's that like, it, I don't know if 10 years ago I would have made the same decision. Even given all the same parameters, like my my confidence in those moments um, it has has improved greatly, like in those in those those questionable moments uh, playing like I don't know that what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to have to trust myself and just do it. Yeah. And it, it you, you have to as a drummer, you just have to be that way. You, you have. Yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, this drive. is drummers and lead trumpet players need to walk in and own rooms. Yeah, you know, they, they have just kind of the deal is is bands are not good if those roles are not are, are timid yeah 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 they need to, need to be right they need to be confident not over the top cocky or anything but you've got to have some confidence you're carrying the band mm. uh, in some way i mean that's not to say that everybody else isn't uh, i mean the, the, a drummer playing on stage for three hours alone sucks in most cases you know mm-hmm. uh, nobody wants to hear that so it takes the whole team but um but the team can't do anything if the drummer's not playing steady. Yeah. It is a good question. It was good. Yeah. All right, folks. Uh, feedback at giggabpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook at giggabpodcast. I don't have anything else. Do you, Paul? I hope not. I started the music. It's enough. That's <laughs> it was enough. <laughs> Thanks, folks. We'll see you next time. Bye.